0: Good morning, Sanctuary. I am so excited uh, to be with you today, and I give God praise uh, from whom all blessings flow for every opportunity that we get uh, to lift up the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, for one, woman, overjoyed that the spirit is everywhere. That he's inside and he's outside, that he's with us when we're in our cars, he's with us when we're in the fields, and I just give him praise today. I don't know if some of you would have been glancing up at the worship team, we were just kind of cackling here in the back, Uh, but there was a, a bug that was the size of a bald eagle that was flying up in here, and uh, God is already worthy of praise because we survived whatever helicopter-sized bug that was up here, but I'm ecstatic about that. I'm gonna go ahead and get into the Word, but I would be remiss were not to just say thank you. Uh, our church is learning from Sanctuary. We are implementing this uh, drive-in service on the other side of Labor Day. or so, so thank you for being leaders and uh, showing other churches how to get this done. We would start it today, but I am from the desert. And to meet outside right now is asking our people to go to heaven early. And we're just not going to do that just yet. So some of you came wondering if there's even something to be thankful for. Well, let me tell you right now, in Indian Wells, where I'm from, it's going to be 118 degrees today. You have much to be thankful for in fact i'm not even going home i'm just going to stay here all week in the name of jesus christ hey i got a a lot of fish to fry just a few minutes to cook it in fact i'm told i have a 25 minute time limit you just need to hear me right now sanctuary the black preacher from mississippi Here's 25 minutes, you just need to know that's like kryptonite to Superman. But I will do the best that I can with the time we have been allotted. I wanna thank you Rod for having me and your whole team. I wanna to talk to you about what God has for us to, to, to rehearse in our hearts when he has entrusted to us a season of pressure in our lives. Uh, the world is in a pandemic, we all know this. But how many of you know that pandemics have, has a way of kind of highlighting the other moments of pressure that we have in our lives? You see, it's one thing to go through a pandemic, but you've seen from the last five months how pandemic has made marriage harder. Some of you spouses can't say amen because your spouse is right next to you, but somebody should have waved amen right there. Parenting is harder. Finances are harder. Work is harder. In fact, because of a pandemic, we're all having to work harder just to get the same amount of fruit we were before. But the good news of the gospel is that God's been here before. And he knows how to bring us through this. In fact, there's a story in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 6, whereby God had entrusted another one of his servants to a season of pressure. And I think it's a wonderful what-to-do list as to what you and I need to do to navigate pressure in our lives uh, today. Daniel chapter 6, there's a lot of verses here. So I'm just going to read a few here. But just know that the surrounding context suggests that Daniel is in pressure. He is in a faraway uh, land under an oppressive regime. And he's got these rival colleagues who have betrayed him and set him up to be thrown into a lion's den. And you thought you and I had pressure. Imagine being in a cave with Simba and Mufasa in them, okay? Uh, But God entrusts to him this pressure uh, but miraculously brings him out of it. And so, uh, gleaning upon this experience, we learn how to handle our proverbial lion's dens in our lives. Uh, We're in Daniel chapter 6. I'm going to read awful fast because I've only got like four minutes left. Uh, But pick me up here at verse Verse 22, where Daniel here is talking to the king, and he says there, My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. They've not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I've done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den So he was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. I want you to fast forward now, sanctuary, uh, to verse 26, right there in the middle of the verse, because as this evil pagan king sees the deliverance that God gave Daniel, look at the decree he makes for the entire kingdom. He says there in the middle of 26, for he is the living God, enduring forever, His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lion. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian sanctuary. Good morning. I've read from Daniel chapter six, various verses in and there. I've read from the greatest book ever written. And I bear witness this day that all of its words are true. Amen. Amen. If a oyster was preaching this message, that oyster would say that there can be no pearl without some pressure. If, if an oyster were preaching this message, that oyster would say to you, There can be no pearl without some pressure. Uh, Any elementary science school student will tell you uh, that beneath the ocean, uh, your average everyday oyster is always conflicted with the problem of pressure, the problem of something that we call sand. At all times, your average oyster beneath the ocean is constantly conflicted with the problem of sand. And try, as the oyster may, to keep the sand away from its crevices. Science tells us that every now and then, a a tiny grain of sand uh, slips between the cracks, invades the interior of the oyster, and causes unbelievable amounts of pressure. Try, as they may, to repel themselves from the sand. Every now and then, a tiny grain gets on the inside and causes unbelievable amounts of pressure. And science tells us, try as that oyster may to, to, to deal with the problem of the sand. Eventually it realizes that since it can't remove the sand, it must figure out how to deal with the sand. Since he cannot remove the sand, he must figure out how to deal with with the sand and science tells us that what happens is that the oyster isolates that that grain of sand and he begins to methodically uh, secrete this fluid over this grain of sand methodically over and over and over again. Uh, The years pass something called calcification happens and whereas before was an exorbitant amount of pressure it's now been replaced with a precious and pristine pearl. Uh, the lesson of an oyster under pressure is this. Sometimes you can't get a pearl till you go through some pressure. In Daniel chapter 6, that's the lesson. Uh, that Sometimes the pearl of God's glory, the pearls of evangelism going far and wide, the pearls of Jesus' name being made famous in the earth, uh, the pearls of coming out of your situation stronger, you see, they cannot happen unless we first go through some pressure. But the good news of the gospel is that God, hear it now, always has a plan and a purpose for my pressure. Can I preach like a black preacher from Mississippi this morning? God always has a plan and a purpose for your pressure. We're gonna see how the prophet Daniel learned that. And in so doing, we'll get somewhat of a what to do list as to the pressure God's entrusted in our lives, knowing that God's plan is to replace your pressure with a precious and pristine pearl. I'd like to walk through the text with the seven minutes I have left and in, in so doing, I wanna lift up these three distinctives for what to do with pressure. Here we go, table of contents for our time together this morning. If Daniel were here, he would say, sanctuary There's three things not to forget. Don't forget the fruit, don't forget the faithfulness and don't forget the father. I'd like to tag this text, what to do under pressure. Let's pray. I love you, Jesus, and I thank you that you're here right now, even in a parking lot. Revive your saints, for asking ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, when you come to this passage, essentially, what you need to know is that for Daniel, this is not his first rodeo. In fact, if you're a Bible reader trekking along through the book of Daniel, uh, you can't help but be taken aback by the mundanity of the scene. Here, Daniel, we think, is 83 years old in the Lion's Den episode. Translation He ain't no spring chicken. Yet here he is going through yet another ordeal, uh, another episode, another band of rival colleagues who are trying to usurp his influence in the kingdom. Uh, Another topsy-turvy, another situation. So what's the first lesson we learn about life from Daniel? And I hope you'll hear this, Sanctuary, because this is the most profound statement I will make to you this morning. If Daniel were here, this is what he'd have to say to us about pressure. Here it is. Pressure happens. Pressure happens happens. Uh, Why pandemic? Why economic downturn? Why political chaos in America? Why these unknowns? At the end of the day, if Daniel, the non-spring chicken, were here, he would say, baby girl, Honey, child, I've been living, and what I've learned in my life is that pressure is going to happen in our lives. And so it's incumbent upon the believer then not to waste too much time investing in the question why, but rather to invest your time more wisely and begging the question what? Did you hear that sanctuary? God says to us, when pressure happens, don't waste too much time with the question why. Why me? Why now? Why a pandemic? Why political chaos? Why economic downturn? The question is valid. It just doesn't produce much fruit. Daniel says to us, beg the question, what? Because I've learned, God, that you're going to entrust pressure to my life. So the question better, better invested is not why is this happening, but what are you looking for out of me? And here's the answer to that question. Here at Sanctuary, as I shouted from the stage, God is looking for fruit in your life. Ah, fruit is just a biblical word, meaning that God wants your life to count in such a way that you live in such a way so as to make Jesus famous. And the constellation and solar system that is your life, I want you to know that the picture of how your life works is not you in the center with God being one of the proverbial planets who's revolving around you. But God's job description for the believer is that you would rightly understand that the sun in your orbit is the son of God and you are one of several planets revolving around him. Translation your job is to make Jesus famous. Hallelujah. In everything that you do, make him famous in your marriage, make him famous in your parenting, make him famous in your church life, make him famous as a neighbor. God did not put you here to make you look good. God put you here to make him look good. And here's the good news of the gospel. When you so live in such a way so as to make God look good, you'll therein find your peace with God as you live for God. Ah, now y'all ain't from Mississippi and you ain't the amen and kind of type, but somebody should have said, waved amen right there. I exist for God. So Daniel would say, don't forget about the fruit because here's the good news about the gospel. Peace time or war time, God can bring fruit. And last time I checked, wartime tends to bring more fruit to God's name than peacetime. Ricky, what do you mean? I mean that in peacetime, to your friends and to your coworkers, Jesus is interesting. But in wartime, Jesus is downright attractive. Can somebody say amen right there? I mean, in peacetime, when bills are paid and kids are acting like they have sense and marriage is a beautiful thing, and I witness about Jesus, people say, ha, golf clap. But in wartime, and in pandemics, and in chaos in Capitol Hill, and when my money is funny and my credit don't get it, but I'm still praising Him, I- I'm still worshiping Him, Jesus is no longer interesting golf clap. He is, tell me about this Savior who can do all things. So Daniel would say, don't forget that God wants to bring fruit in this season. Here's the good news of encouragement. If God is wanting to use your pressure to make Him famous, He'll also use your pressure to make you strong. We're going to get stronger out of this. We're going to get better. And God uses pressure to make us strong. Uh, December ninth, 1987, some Russian cosmonauts went to space for a long mission that was 326 days and Astronomers were flabbergasted to see them return to Earth with a perfect picture of health. Uh, No sickness, no illness, no muscle atrophy. And of course, some of you nerds know that an elongated time in space usually renders you very unhealthy. Your muscles atrophy, your immune system weakens. Yet these astronauts came back with a perfect picture of health. Why? Because they were smart enough to have specially designed spacesuits that had at every nook and cranny these rubber bands of tight resistance. So even in a time of weightlessness, their muscles still had to work against resistance and pressure. And because at the same time they had resistance and pressure, they came back strong. God says, yeah, I'm going to use your trouble to make my name famous. But I also use your trouble to make you strong. And don't forget about the fruit. But secondly, don't forget about the faithfulness. I'm going to act like you know me. I'm going to act like I know you and I just don't want you to hear Ricky, I want you to hear Rod, your pastor, who's earned credibility with you saying this, but I think if he were here, he would say, Church, don't forget to be faithful. In other words, when you're in trouble, how many of you know that a lot of times the question you're asking is, God, I'm in trouble, Trouble is kind of getting old, kind of ready for the pandemic to be over, Jesus. What you need me to do so I can get up out of here, out of here? And I think the answer thundering back from heaven is that God is looking for faithfulness out of his people. God wants us to be faithful. How faithful, Ricky? He wants us to be faithful, hear it, that even if living for Jesus becomes unpopular, even if trusting in God, gets out of vogue. Even if lifting up holy hands becomes social taboo, even if believing in this book that it is inerrant and is the authoritative Word of God becomes outlawed, God says, I'm looking for people who will be the same Christian in times of persecution that they were in times of peace. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? That God is looking for faithfulness. You see, Daniel resided in his heart that he was going to be so faithful that whether or not his faith was permitted or his faith was outlawed, he was going to be the same believer. God is looking for faithfulness. I have an old mentor, Crawford Loritz who used to say, son, you keep preaching the Bible and living it out, it's going to get you in trouble. But the good news of the gospel is that when you get in trouble, preaching the Bible and living it out is the only thing that's going to get you out of trouble. In other words, God always wants us to be faithful. Okay, a couple of minutes in the classroom, I promise we're going to church. But then what does faithfulness mean? Because you look at the text and you see Daniel was faithful. When his faith was, was okay and permitted, he's praying every day. Verses 5, verses 10 of chapter 6 says that the only way they were going to get this guy to the lion's den was to make his faith illegal. Translation, when it got hard to be a believer, Daniel refused to not be faithful in that moment. And God blessed him as a result. Now, here's the pain. He had to go through the lion's den, but here's the joy. He got out of the lion's den. Faithfulness got him in. Are y'all smelling what I'm stepping in? God wants us to be faithful. Now, your concept of faithful has everything to do with your concept of integrity. Integrity comes from the root word integer. Integer is the idea of any whole number as opposed to a fraction of a number. Stay with me in the classroom. I promise we're going to church. This is what I want you to hear. If faithfulness is integrity, and integrity is being a whole number instead of a fraction of a number, faithfulness then then means to be your whole person instead of a fraction of your person. Faithfulness means to be your whole self instead of a fraction of yourself. Can I go further? Faithfulness means that the same believer you are when everyone is looking is the same believer you are when no one else is there. Can I go further? Faithfulness means that the same husband you are when your wife is around is the same husband you are when your wife is out of town. Can I go further? Faithfulness means the same employee you are when your boss is looking over your shoulder is the same employee you are when your boss is on vacation. It means at all times, I will walk with integrity. At all times, I will be a sound believer. At all times, I will do what God has called me to do. Don't forget about the faithfulness. Remember when we had real TV? I'm talking about the 1980s right now. Can I get a 1980s witness? Millennials, I'm sorry, but I'll come back and get you later. Now, before we had Roku and Disney Plus and all these other things that are not of God, but when you had to in the 1980s, you better be there when the program is coming on, or you were gonna miss it. Can I get a witness here? There was a TV show called uh, Hill Street Blues. The star of the show was a hard-nosed cop named Frank Ferrillo, but his wife finally gets him out of the dress blues and at a cocktail lounge and she's so excited because I got him off duty and they're having a good time and she's just so excited because I got Frank away for a nice date and he's got on a suit and tie and it's beautiful and unknowingly a drug dealer offers Frank drugs. His wife is looking at him so as to say, don't you dare do what I think you're about to do. Frank methodically pulls out his handcuffs. Parenthetically, Frank, what in the world are you doing with handcuffs at a cocktail lounge? But he pulls out his handcuffs and and books the guy. His wife is furious. She says, you just don't know how to take a day off, do you? He says, I guess I'm just a driven kind of guy. But what was he really saying? What he was saying is that I don't know how to be only on when I'm on duty. What he was saying was uniform off, uniform on, badge off, badge on. I'm the same cop. Translation, God says whether people are there or people are not there where the pressure is on, where the pressure is not on. He's called you and empowered you by the Spirit to be the same believer. Don't forget about the faithfulness. Don't forget about the fruit. Thirdly and finally, don't forget about the Father. I'm I'm packing up here and I'm going to sit down, but I wanted to tell you, sanctuary, that God is still a miracle-working God. He's still a healer. He's still a deliverer. Ours is the God who broke down the walls of Jericho. Uh, Ours is the God who parted the Red Sea. Uh, Ours is the God who raised Jesus from the dead. And I want you to hear me say it right now. Pandemics ain't no problem for God. He knows how to bring us through, and he will bring us through. Oh, it may be a, a few more days yet. may even be a few more months yet, but I want you to know God is coming. And he's going to work this thing out. Here's the thing, though. Daniel would say, when he brings you out give him the credit. When he brings you out, don't get the big head and act like it was your ingenuity and your wisdom and your brilliance that got you through the storm. Be willing to do what Daniel did when the king questioned him as to what happened in the lion's den. Notice Daniel professes that it was all God. He says, it was my God who shut the mouths of the lion's den. You don't see Daniel saying, well, I just figured out how to talk to lions and I figured out how to stroke their mane and I figured out that if I stay on this corner, no, he's saying only God could have got me out of this king and God did it. What was the fruit of it? The king made the whole country start worshiping Daniel's God. Woo! So don't forget about the father. Now, as I close, this is all I want you to hear me say. Daniel did not praise God Privately in his heart, Daniel praised God publicly with his mouth. Did y'all hear that? You see, he doesn't just contemplate and say, hmm, thank you, God, for what you've done for me. No, he said, King, God came through and delivered me. What's the lesson? When we get out of this, let's make sure we give credit to who got us out. And in the old gospel church, we used to sing this song, don't wait till the battle is over. Shout right now because you know that God is on his way. Ricky, I'm not exuberant like you. Ricky, I don't lift up hands like you. Ricky, I don't jump up and down like you. You are lying because I've seen you at Dodgers games. I've seen you at Lakers games. I've seen you at Warriors games, and your confession today doesn't match your theology at the ball game. Because when Kobe, got rest his soul, did it around the back, 360 dark, you didn't thank Kobe privately in your heart. You thanked him publicly with your mouth. Here's the lesson as I close. Don't let nothing stop you from praising God. Don't forget the Father. Stories told of a 1950s Florida, deep south segregation. Uh, black church mother goes to white church and she feels led of the spirit to try her own attempt at integration. And so uh, this this black church mother who came from the other side of the tracks, uh, she was a bit charismatic without a seatbelt in her tradition, believed in a man and in shouting and all this stuff. But she goes over to the white Presbyterian church. Uh, she was the shouting and dancing kind of tradition. They were the frozen chosen. But she decides this experiment integration, they welcome her in, she sits down, she's praising the Lord. Well, they invited this old gospel preacher there. Uh, Who's up preaching the gospel and she's there sitting down and and the preacher says, Jesus died for our sins. That old black mother waved her hands and said, yes, he did. The ushers came and says, ma'am, we don't do that here. Ma'am, you can't, you can't. We we just don't do that. She says, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Preacher gets wound up again and he says, and Jesus died on the cross. That old black mother couldn't help it and she she stood up and she says, yes, he did. Old usher says, ma'am, it's a warning. We don't do that here. If That happens again. We gotta take you out here. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'll be quiet. Oh, but that old preacher got wound up. And he said, early Sunday morning, that black mother stood up on her feet and she yelled out with a loud voice, he got up. He got up with our power. Those two big burly ushers came next to her side by side and they're walking her out of the church. Yet the whole time that old black mother is just saying, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And they finally said, ma'am, what are you shouting for now? She looked at him and said, they carried Jesus in on one donkey. they carry me out on two. Praise the Lord. Don't let nothing stop you from praising your God. Don't forget about the fruit. Don't forget about the faithfulness. Don't forget about the Father. So Jesus, keep us, anoint us, bless us, strengthen us to not forget about what's really important in times like these. For we ask and believe these things in Jesus' name. Amen.